This is Greg Harmon of Deceleration, Deceleration.news, an online journal speaking to our shared ecological, political, and cultural crises, seeking out the roots of human and planetary insecurity, a movement beyond resistance in pursuit of a sustainable peace. So this is part of a series of podcasts we're doing dedicated to San Antonio's climate action and adaptation plan, uh, a city effort to rapidly reduce our climate pollution while preparing our residents for rapidly escalating extreme weather being brought about by fossil fuel driven human industry and agriculture. This morning I met up with some old friends and a few new ones outside of San Antonio's Alamo Dome. Uh, they were on a press tour to raise awareness about efforts to turn Texas into the repository for high-level radioactive waste from around the country. And in a conversation uh, which followed, uh, we we met uh, at Pico de Gallo downtown, so there's a, you'll notice a little bit of background noise. We discussed uh, all of these issues as well as San Antonio's own uh, interesting history when it comes to new power and um, where that sits with our current climate conversation. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Karen Haddon. I'm from Texas and run the Seed Coalition, Sustainable Energy and Economic Development Coalition. I'm Diane DeRigo. I'm the Radioactive Waste Project Director at Nuclear Information and Resource Service, which is a Washington, D.C.-based group that fights nuclear power and waste. I am Kirsten Rudek from Bürgerinitiative Umweltschutzliche Dannenberg. This is an environmental initiative of citizens, and we're based in north of Germany between Hamburg, Hanover, and Gorleben. And I am the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, so traveling around the world about nuclear issues. Super. All right. Well, thank you guys, and thanks for your time. I know you're, you've got a tour going around the state, and we just left uh, the Alamo Dome, uh, had a giant inflatable uh, cask or the rep- uh, a representative uh, of what may soon be riding the rails. So if you want to maybe, Diane, speak to uh, the, the message of the, the, the tour, the, the nuclear uh, waste tour that you're on. Uh, what we're hoping to do, it's our organizations and uh, in conjunction with local communities across Texas, we're um, here to alert Texans to a threat of a nuclear waste dump that's targeted for West Texas, which would bring all of the high-level radioactive waste from nuclear power across the country through our communities here in Texas to that site. The site isn't needed, so we're here to uh, wake people up, alert you that this is happening, and uh, hopefully help stop it. How many, now give, give, give folks a sense of how large the nuclear industry is in the United States, how many plants we're talking about over time, do you have a sense of that? Yes. Uh, we have had over 100 nuclear power reactors operating in the U.S., and now we're down to 98. One just closed last week in New Jersey. However, at all of these locations are the 
uh, tons and tons of high-level radioactive waste. So in the U.S., we now have around 80,000 tons of waste. And if the reactors that are operating keep operating till their lifetimes, uh, their licenses end, we'll have um, almost double that. Well, we won't have quite double, but we'll have a lot more. We'll have over 100,000 tons. So the dump that's targeted at uh, Texas that's applying for an application wants 40,000 tons, but they could expand, and then there's another dump in New Mexico just over the border that's applying for up to 173,000 tons. So we could have all of the waste plus more coming through Texas to those places if these illegal dumps uh, are licensed. Now, uh, Karen, I want to switch over to you to get a look at the, uh, or kind of a, a throwback to the history of this area. This has been um, kind of uh, somewhat of a, a boom out there, you know, whether you've got WIP across the New Mexico line, Eunice, um, uh, Andrews, and I know you've been engaged in fighting a lot of these disposal uh, fights. And how, how does this compare and how does this fit in that kind of continuum? I know you mentioned that people are not as... Um, as receptive as maybe as they once were now that they've lived with waste control specialists for uh, a decade or so? Well, actually, what we find is that um, a lot of the people in far west Texas, in Andrews, um, they sort of accepted low-level radioactive waste, but we've gone out on the street corners. We've gone to the gas stations and just talked to workers coming in to get their drinks and sandwiches for the day, and almost every single one when they heard about this, when they learned about the high-level waste, they were horrified. And this is some of them oil field workers who are used to dealing with some radioactive materials, but they knew the difference. They knew that this was control rods from existing nuclear reactors instead of small sources, and they don't want it. Um, the catch is that um, most of these people don't have access to the media or to any good venue to let the world know about how they feel and think. And nobody has given them a chance to vote. In all of our state, there's only been one public meeting on this proposal of this magnitude. By contrast, New Mexico had five for the proposal there, and Yucca Mountain had 24 over the years around the country. Um, same waste that we're talking about. And for people in much of Texas, it would take, you know, eight hours or more to drive to a, to a public meeting in Andrews. So we really think that the NRC is um, shirking their responsibility. They should be holding public meetings in Dallas, in San Antonio, in El Paso, in Midland. Is that part of your kind of call out? I know you, you, you mentioned this deadline uh, for comments on this particular dump. Uh, and it, do you want people writing in saying we need a public hearing or simply shut it down? Or, or what's, the, what's the message that people could be bringing to the NRC in, in the, during the public comment period? Both of those things. The comment period is a place where you can, and we hope people will, ask for extensions on the, on the comment timeline and ask for these public meetings, especially in these major cities where the radioactive waste could travel through on the railways. Um, it, it introduces risk for everyone along the way. So we have an October 19th deadline right now on public comment and October 29th deadline to intervene, which is a legal process where you can insert 
yourself and your interest in the process of the licensing of the waste control specialist facility. Mm -hmm. Now, Kirsten, I know you, you have come a long way to join this tour, and I know you've been involved with the anti-nuclear work uh, going on in Germany for some time. And what is uh, what message is it that, that you're bringing here uh, in terms, whether it's public health or um, uh, denuclearization, what have you? Well, it has to do with all these issues, but I would call it, I have a story to share. It's a part of our history. So we were targeted to be a nuclear waste dump for the whole country in 1977. And what we did is raise huge protests because we did not want this nuclear waste and we did not want cheap solutions made by the nuclear industry. We want to stop nuclear power and to stop nuclear waste production and then first have some, some independent scientists who will set up commissions, who will set up decisions about how to store the high radioactive waste and then where to store it. So we got transports, 13 altogether, with 113 casks of high radioactive waste to our community of Gorleben. And we could stop them by really huge protests. There was a decision by the German government for lifetime extensions of the nuclear power plants in 2010. And then Fukushima happened. And then there was a different decision of a nuclear phase-out of all nuclear power plants in 2011. And in 2011, the last cask transport to Gorleben took place. So we have this waste now. They're standing in the forest in a kind of potato barn. But we are not asking to move it somewhere else because where should we ask to bring it to? Yeah. to harm other people. So no nuclear transports, and this is what I love to share with these regions in Texas also. Be aware you should not be sacrificed by your government. Mm -hmm. Ask the government to first have a concept, and then you can think about where to move the waste. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems like if you tackle the, the waste, you're really locking in, in, in a conversation about nuclear power itself. You know, if there's no place to take the waste, then um, what kind of moral right do we have to be, you know, uh, conducting fission and, and, and digging up uranium? And, and, and I wonder, um, Diane, if you can speak to kind of where we are nationally in terms of nuclear power, um, if this is kind of moving out of it and the way coal is starting to shut down. I know in San Antonio we were uh, one of the, maybe the first city to make new a permit application for new nuclear power back in like 2006, right? And uh, it was a horrendous process. We went through years from uh, original proposal for two new uh, units was uh, $6 billion and we ended up getting out of the deal at about $18 billion and losing $400 million uh, along the way because of the contract dispute. Um, and it seems like that maybe sent a message to uh, other communities and, and to the industry. So maybe you could speak to kind of waste in terms of uh, the impact on our ability to, to rely on nuclear power going forward. Well, it's been clear to most of us who don't want to suffer the nuclear waste that we should find other ways to make our electricity. And it's abundantly available now. Solar and wind are exceeding nuclear on the amount, the new amounts that are uh, that are added each year, each month, each year to our um, electric supply. Um, 
nuclear power industry tried a few years back to have a renaissance, as they called it, but it was really a recession. Um, we, my organization is uh, Nuclear Information Resource Service. We work with groups around the country. That's nears.org. We should throw a yeah, plug in there. www.nirs.org. Okay. And we worked with our allies in Texas and around the whole country, actually, to stop Congress from passing subsidies to nuclear power. And we held it off for many, many years, 10, 12 years, but finally uh, it did pass through and there was some subsidy that was approved. And in that time then, there were 21 proposed new reactors. Uh, most of those have been uh, canceled or put on hold and only four are under construction. And just in the past few months, the two at Summer, it's called Summer Reactors in North Carolina, uh, South Carolina, uh, they have canceled. But Vogel Reactors, there's two new units that Georgia. are being, being built in Georgia, and uh, those are stubbornly, they would use more than the water that the whole city of Atlanta uses yeah. each year. It's a complete mistake. Um, however, we now, they're continuing to push ahead, even though uh, the, the funding is not secure. Even with the subsidies, it's not enough. Um, but now we hear that they might be hanging by a thread now in the last couple days. So th these are the new reactors. There's also one proposed in Michigan, a Fermi nuclear reactor. They're a third one. The first reactor at Fermi actually had a partial meltdown. Mm -hmm. The second reactor yeah. at Fermi, right. um, we almost lost Detroit, the Gil Scott Heron song. And then there's uh, the second reactor. I just started at my job, and that reactor accidentally started up before it was supposed to. And uh, so anyway, the third one, people in Michigan and the Great Lakes region are fighting valiantly to stop that one. So um, the status of nuclear in the U.S. is that it is, does not have a future, but it keeps getting revived with people like Perry as the Secretary of Energy yeah. wanting to pr uh, proceed with it. Mm -hmm. And uh, they need a illusion of a solution to the waste problem. Mm -hmm. If they could say, oh yeah, there's a storage place in Texas, then that would make it be okay to make more waste, even though that's not a safe place forever. So this becomes a, a sacrifice zone. I mean, we're used to hearing terms like that and, and yes. with other power sources and refineries and all this stuff. It's like, well, you're producing what you know, we need to keep consuming and having a particular lifestyle, but there's people that, that have to pay with their lives, right? Yes. Um, and so that seems to be what we're talking about here. I wonder, you know, so 20% of San Antonio's power is still tied up in nuclear. Uh, it's, it's so far in our, we're, we're in the middle of a climate action, developing a climate action plan for the city. Our first, you know, Chicago was 2009. We're going to hopefully pass one in 2019. Um, but we're... Um, Moving forward with that, and nuclear hasn't really hasn't been on the radar, and I'm wondering, really um, <laughs> and I don't think that people aren't talking about new nuclear, but they're certainly not talking about decommissioning of what we have now. Um, as a climate response, and I, I throw this out to any of y'all, um, these things take a long time to build. We need to do our major uh, carbon reductions, uh, greenhouse you know, pollution reductions by 2020, like, like now. Um, how do you respond? I know you had a question earlier today about nuclear power as a climate response, as a carbon-free or low fuel. Well, I'm also organizing in the campaign Don't Nuke the Climate. So we are meeting since four years, and we work towards the World Climate Summit. 
this one it's taking place in Katowice in Poland and especially the US nuclear lobby they try to get a foot into these subsidies for clean energy and we try to prevent them from declaring that nuclear might be a solution we have a website it's called uh, www don't the climate uh, and then it's org but you have any languages i think we have eight languages made the translations over there okay. and you can don't really nuke the climate.org yeah yeah okay so you can find the reasons why we think it's no solution it's a failed solution it is too dirty it is too too slow we need the good energy right now and if we took the the wrong path then we can't take the decisions to really prevent the world from climate change and we really have to do the right steps right now it is too expensive they got so much subsidies for nuclear like for four or five decades and still we have the waste problem and all the costs of the waste problem and also if there would be an accident uh, we've seen this at Fukushima and at Chernobyl how much it costs to clean up and then the problem is not over Fukushima is still going on so we have many reasons why we can say for sure that nuclear is no option it's the failed solution and the only thing is investing in renewable energies Mm -hmm. my region is a very good example We are a 100% renewable energy region, Mm -hmm. and this is because of the nuclear power plants. Mm -hmm. People started very early in the 70s, they were pioneers. Mm -hmm. People were laughing at them, but they just did it. They made experiments, experiments. they did build windmills and solar systems, Mm -hmm. and now we have a lot of Mm -hmm. wind power, solar power, photovoltaic. So for more than six years, we are a 100% renewable energy region for electricity, but not yet for being mobile and heating the houses, but we're working hard on that. So a lot of inspiration to be found in Germany right now, for sure. And we mentioned, yeah, if you want to add to that, Karen, and and also I'm wondering, can you speak, uh, Fukushima has come up a couple of times. There seems to be some similarities in, in what we have here on our coast. I don't know if that's something to jump off. To it from as well. well. There are some tie-ins here. Um, in San Antonio, when two more reactors were proposed at that so-called attempted start of the nuclear renaissance, citizens rose up and said, no way. And the campaign then was nuclear no, solar sea. And as a result of saying no to spending $18 billion on new nuclear reactors, that left money and resources and energy and and the need for power that could go forward with solar projects. And that is why San Antonio was able to get 400 megawatts of solar that spurred on Austin Energy, where we got a commitment to 600 megawatts of utility-scale solar. Together, those projects are shaping the new wave of solar, not only in Texas, but for the country. Um, We started the wind boom to a large extent in Texas. Um, California has also been a leader, but Texas leads the country in wind now. And once it catches on and once it starts getting built, it becomes more affordable. So that is the way to reduce carbon. These are low-risk and low-cost alternatives, cheaper than nuclear power. 
and you don't have the waste. Nothing really horrible happens if you have a huge storm. Uh, you can, uh, the the uh, solar panels usually make it through the hurricanes pretty well, 95% of them. You know, you might lose a blade off a wind turbine, but you're not going to have radioactive waste scattered all across the land or into the waterways. So it's much, much safer. And I've never heard of a country invading another country for windmills for wind or bombing turbines. a country no. for a solar array. No, I haven't seen that yet. <laughs> and you mentioned uh, Fukushima. Um, the South Texas existing nuclear reactors, Units 1 and 2, were supposed to retire in 2027 and 2028. I think they should. I, I'm very concerned about the safety issues at that plant. Um, and in typical form, they pass everything with glowing colors. That's usually when some major accident happens and everybody says, oh, how could that ever have happened? Well, sometimes things get looked over, uh, passed over. But meantime, um, they've been given another 20 years. They just got their relicensing application. By contrast, uh, Fukushima Unit Number 1 had just been given one month prior to the disaster there. They had gotten a 10-year uh, renewal license. If that first unit had not been running, there might have been some difference in the outcome there. You know, it's hard to say to what extent, but there's connection between these units, and if it had been shut down, it might have been somewhat different there. Um, you know, as it is, we had three meltdowns that are contaminating the ocean still to this day, and the cleanup has not happened, and it's amazing that even people who don't know much about nuclear power seem to be catching on to the fact that we have an ongoing disaster going on in Japan that's impacting the the health of our oceans, our seafood, and the people, and the, the whole planet that depends on it. Well, and I know this is a hard, can be a hard area to organize around, and um, I'm just wondering if y'all, your experience, I know you're just getting the campaign underway, but in your experience, if, if more people are more amenable or um, educated on these issues uh, than you've seen before, and I, I, I promise to keep the interview brief, so I want to I want to respect that. But if you have any thoughts on on where public attitudes may be and what you're hearing along the way, we're especially concerned about young people. Um, a lot of young people are very well informed and very knowledgeable and very activist oriented, and we're happy about that. But there's also a lack of firsthand knowledge of some of the disasters that have happened for some of these youth. It wasn't part of their lifetimes. They don't understand Three Mile Island. They don't understand Chernobyl. And so there's a lot of education that needs to go on. But once that happens, um, everyone catches fire. And so we have a lot of hope. Uh, I yeah, Diane. I wanted to say that uh, this threat right now is of supposedly for supposedly interim storage places for high-level radioactive waste from the nuclear reactors around the country, and the they're called centralized interim storage now. But that these same kind of dumps were threatened back in 1979, and again in 1987, and they had different names: away from reactor storage, monitored retrievable storage. But it was the same idea. Let's pretend there's somewhere to send this waste, send it off to another place, put it on their yard, and we keep making it. Well, people in the 1970s, the 1980s, and the 1990s across this country stopped this bad idea before, and it can be stopped again. Uh, so people should not feel like uh, it's too difficult. Um, it's absolutely essential that people rise up and prevent this very uh, stupid plan to move nuclear waste around 
um, we should be moving toward more renewables and less nuclear waste, and let's not spread around the stuff that unfortunately has already been created. Now, Kirsten, I know parts of Germany have a fairly vibrant anti-nuclear movement, stopping trains and, and, and such. Uh, what do you attribute that to? Is that uh, you know experience, the experience of Chernobyl? Is that the the, the linkage to uh, nuclear weapons and disarmament? Where where does that inspiration come from? And is it something that can you can plant some seeds here in the U.S.? Well, I think it all has to do with uh, also the belongings of uh, nuclear weapon and health concerns. But I think. The, the biggest motivation is if you recognize what you have to lose and what you have to win. And I think our protests started as not-in-my-backyard protests. This is uh, no secret, but it was the beginning. And from then on, it was a development. And we did not stay there. So we were talking about also uranium mining and about uh, nuclear power plants, although we do not have one, and about every single step of the so You have some on your borders or nearby. Yes, we yeah. have. Okay. So I think the what concerns me the most is the huge amount of time we're talking about. And if people recognize that, then I often see that people are getting really engaged because we're talking about 40,000 generation or one million of years. So people recognize we have to solve this the problem The half-lives then, the, the toxicity or the, the threat to yes. life that yes. the waste it represents. It has to be stored for such amount of time not to get in contact with the environment or with human beings. So we are smart, aren't we? We can solve this problem. We can phase out, we can stop nuclear power, and we can take care of the waste that we never wanted, but we have to be responsible with this. Okay, wonderful. Well, thank you all for your time. I know you've got a very thank busy you. schedule. Thank you. So thank we'll you. be in touch. All right. Deceleration is a joint effort of uh, myself and my wonderful partner, Marisol Cortez. And uh, we blog, write, uh, every once in a while at deceleration.news and every once in a while throughout one of these podcasts. But we'll be trying to do uh, a little bit more as San Antonio uh, pushes through with his climate plan. Uh, a great opportunity for community dialogue. See you next time.